God bless you. That's our next series that's coming up. We are beginning that uh, our Christmas series this upcoming Sunday. It is titled The Arrival, The King is Here. Uh, and so I want to encourage you uh, to make sure that you are a part of that series, being here in person or if you're watching us online. And also invite a friend. It's going to be a series that is really going to be a, a blessing as we always have these series that are kind of revolve around Christ and his return uh, every time we come around the Christmas season. Amen? Uh, but today we are going to conclude our series that is titled, What Happens? Uh, as Anthony mentioned, we are in our sermon uh, on our uh, series of financial stewardship. We do this every year. So if you're here today, like, man, is this is your first time. Us preachers always crack this joke, man, here it is. I, I finally come visit this church, and all of a sudden they're talking about finances again. Well, you just so happen to come that time of year where we're talking about finances uh, as we kind of cover all different types of topics throughout the year. If you were with us last week, we really kind of started off this series with really focusing on who it is that we need to put first in our priorities when it comes to our finances. And we talked about that we need to put Christ first. If you weren't with us, if you didn't catch the sermon series, I, uh, I urge you to go home tonight or tomorrow or throughout the week whenever you're at work. You'll have to go to our, our Facebook page because for some reason this sermon could not be recorded uh, on our website. So just go to our Facebook page, find last week's uh, dates, and listen to that sermon so that you can really kind of be in sync in what's going on. But we talked about, briefly I'll tell you, we talked about putting God first. Now, we're focusing in the area of our finances. We spoke about putting God first in our finances. We really hit the area of our tithe because it starts there. It starts there. The, the only place in Scripture where God goes on ahead and tells us, his children, to test him in is in the finances. To test him, not just with a portion, but the Bible says to bring to the house, to the storehouse, which is the local church, the full tithe. Meaning, we, we, we talked about that in detail, meaning the full 10% of whatever it is that God has bowered, bowered, uh, or, or bowered us. He's borrowed it. I can't get that word out today. He's, he's borrowed it to us. It's up to us to give back to him. I showed you that illustration with Jose lending me or giving me a $100 bill uh, last week. So I really, really encourage you to do that, to go on ahead and take a look at that. And how, in reality, the tithe is the beginning. The tithe is where it starts. Some of us, we kind of had the concept, well, I'm, I'm going to give some offering. Well, the reality is the offering comes after the tithe, okay? So just watch that sermon and kind of be educated and let the Lord bless you there. Because the Bible says when you do that, he would open up a floodgates of, of, of blessings upon your life. And so today as we wrap up this series of what happens, we're talking about what happens when we give, right? We're going to be speaking on the topic of generosity. And this is very important because as a church, we need to understand uh, that as a church, we need to lead the way with irrational generosity. The church needs to be a place, as I mentioned last week, man, if the church was doing what it ought to be doing, if the church was bringing forth the full tithe to the storehouse, we would be able to be doing things for communities that, that, we, that we, the communities wouldn't have to lean on the government for help because the church would be able to offer everything that the community needs. We need to lead the way as a church with generosity because we need to read the word of God and not just 
accepted or not just practice what we like. We need to read the word of God and not just apply what, what, what we're okay with, with practicing, but the stuff that we don't want to, we kind of turn the blind eye. See, because the Bible says, and we must believe what the Bible says, that it is more blessed to give than to what? Receive. That's what the Bible says. Now, I want to talk about this, but quite honestly, I, we're going to be talking about generosity, giving, and all that stuff, but I kind of, I have an issue with the way generosity is often taught in churches. Now, I'm not trying to be critical about other ministries, but unfortunately, the reality is that sometimes when you talk about giving, the message can become kind of manipulative. Now, I hope that I didn't come across you last week as manipulative because I told you, I'm just want, I just want to show you what the Word of God says. It's up to you to believe it. It's up to you to practice it. It's up to you to say, Lord, I want these blessings. It's up to you. Sometimes you may find yourself, uh, you don't really find it too much now. See, these days we, we stream uh, TV shows. I, I really don't watch commercials at all. As a matter of fact, if a commercial pops up, I kind of get a little, you know, have a little anxiety attack because I'm so used to not seeing commercials. These days you go to Netflix, you watch a show, uh, you, you can record your shows that you missed and just watch it. You, you hardly ever watch commercials. But back in, I remember, not, not back in the day, but when I didn't have cable or when I didn't have the internet, um, we just had regular antenna TV. Regular antenna TV, you kind of were just, uh, you had to watch whatever they were showing, if you wanted to watch anything at all, of course. And you flip through the channel, and there was many times where I'd be flipping across the TV, and I would, uh, you, you'd see that uh, known TV preacher that would kind of just be saying, he would just so happen to change the channel right when he was saying, hey, if you sow your seed, you're going to reap it today. He would say, give your seed and you're going to get $1,000 if you just give today. Have you guys ever encountered those commercials or, or watched those shows? You know, you just, you don't want to get manipulative, which is it's very easy to do when you're teaching about money, especially when you hear the word Sowing and reaping, which is actually going to be the title of today's sermon. Sowing and reaping. And I believe today as we take a look at the scriptures that you're going to see that the principle of sowing and reaping, that they are incredibly biblical, that they are true through and through. And I believe that they will speak to many of our hearts today. How many people say amen? So what I want to do is I want to start with a key thought here. That as we were studying and putting this together, uh, really, really struck me. And I, you're going to hear me repeat this phrase plenty of times today that hopefully by the time you get home, you might still have it in your mind. If you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write this down. I do have this in bold, in bold uh, for those in the back. I'm not sure if they're going to. Yeah, they do. They're ahead of me. I like that. Good job, tech team. Good job. What you keep is all you have. And what you give, God multiplies. I want you to go on ahead and, and, and repeat that with me, okay? What I keep is all I have. That's where, that's where you guys go, okay? Let's do it again. What I keep is all I have. What I give, God multiplies. Let's do that one more time. What I keep is all I have. What I give, God multiplies. 
See, what you keep is all you have, but what you give to God, God multiplies. In fact, Jesus taught it very clearly in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus, Jesus said this. He says, give, and what will happen, he says? And it will be given to you. That's Jesus teaching in this, in, in this topic. In other words, when you give, God will multiply. He says, give and it will be given to you. Then he continues to say, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it be poured into your lap. For the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Give and it will be given to you. Once again, what you keep is all that you have, but what you give God multiplies. Now, the first part of this verse is very clear. It's very clear to me, and I hope it's clear to you, that if you give, and it will be given unto you. But quite honestly, I remember when I was first starting to study the word, and when I got to this part, I was trying to figure out the second part of this verse, because it was a, a little bit confusing. I would think to myself, what is good measure? What is pressed down? What is shaken together. What does that really, I mean, you can kind of put it together, but what does it really, really mean? What did Jesus really mean by it? So after doing some research on it and reading several commentaries, I found something that was very, very interesting. See, we all know that when Jesus was talking, he was talking to primarily a group of people who understood what it meant to farm. That's how, not all of them, but most of them, they made their living. They made their living by farming. And they would have known that if someone was harvesting wheat, that the laborers would, would often get paid at the end of the week, not really in money, but they would get paid at the end of the week by wheat. So now, as, we, as I was reading and studying, I found out that, that, that wheat's heavy if you put it into baskets. And according to a couple of the commentaries, they would take these baskets back in the day, these farmers, and they would carry them from one side of the field and perhaps to the other, and, and they, would, uh, they would use it, and they would continue to store it throughout that week. When they would finish one, they would grab another one, and they would kind of go through that same cycle. But they wouldn't necessarily fill it to the top because it was heavy. It was heavy, and throughout the week, imagine just carrying these these baskets filled with wheat. So they would probably sometimes fill it halfway or, or sometimes if they were really strong, they would fill it maybe three quarters of the way so that they wouldn't strain their back too much. But at the end of the week, a generous landowner would often pay the workers in wheat. And you know, they, what they would say is they would say, hey, you know what? That last basket, they would tell the, 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 the farmers, the last basket that you collected, that's not for me. The last basket is for you. You can take it home, and that is your reward. Now, the question is, how full do you think that basket would be by the end of the week? Uh, it would certainly be pressed down. It would certainly be shaken together, perhaps even overrunning. That's how full that basket most likely was. It's a little bit like, I, I was thinking about this when I passed through the 7-Eleven by my house, the other day. It's like if you go to 7-Eleven and you buy a Slurpee. You go to, anybody like Slurpees here? Yeah, I'm just going to get the kids to raise their hand. You go to 7-Eleven and you buy a Slurpee, and, and I don't know if you've ever done this or not, and maybe you don't like them before, but you drank them before, uh, you know, when you were younger, 
uh, you get that Slurpee cup, and if you just fill it up, you grab the Slurpee cup, and you just fill it up, and you leave it right there, in reality, you're not maximizing your Slurpee return unless you do what? You grab that Slurpee. Everybody's doing it. So you guys said you don't like Slurpee, but I see that you guys are doing exactly what you would do in front of a Slurpee machine. You grab that Slurpee machine, you shake it down, you press it in, and even you put that lid on there with the dome that has a little hole on the top, and you fill it all the way to the top of the lid, and sometimes some of that Slurpee might even overfill, right? And as it overfills, you might go on ahead and lick some of that off the side, and some of you guys will actually probably even... I'm not saying that I have done this, but stick the straw in the center, drink a little bit of it, and then top it off one more time before I left the store. You see, when you give, this is how God gives back to you. The Bible says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be given unto you. If you keep what you have, that's all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. Now, we need to be real careful when we talk about this, and that's because there can be two dangerous extremes. I mentioned one of them a little bit last week. There's, there's, no, there, there's what's known as the prosperity gospel, and there's also what's known as the poverty gospel. Maybe some of you guys say, hey, Pastor, I've heard of the prosperity gospel. I've never really heard of the poverty. I'll give you real quick definitions of what the two are. The prosperity gospel is one extreme that basically teaches that if you just have enough faith, maybe you've heard some of these preachers, if you just have enough faith and if you just give, then you're going to be rich and you're going to be wealthy and you're going to be whole in every way and nothing bad should happen to you. If you just give, you're going to be rich. And unfortunately, I believe that it's kind of a gross distortion of what Scripture teaches. And that extreme is potentially very, very dangerous. Because some of us can grasp that and begin to live upon that. On the other side, there's an equally dangerous extreme known as the poverty gospel. Now, that's, that's, you know, prosperity says, hey, if you're righteous, then you're rich. The poverty gospel goes on ahead and says, oh, no, if you're rich, then you're unrighteous. Because only the righteous people are the poor people who give everything away and don't have anything at all. Have you heard that sometimes? Some people have said that. Some people have, have actually said that. Well, what does that mean? That God wants me to just give every single thing away and just be poor? Well, maybe then I'll, I'll be righteous. That's, that's, not, that's not what the Word of God teaches us. Because that's as equally as dangerous as the prosperity gospel. Because Scripture actually says that God blesses people. Scripture actually says that sometimes, sometimes he blesses them with wealth. Sometimes he blesses them with health. Sometimes he blesses them with relationships. You know, it's, it's a blessing, one of the many blessings from God. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it is through wealth. Scripture actually says that God does bless people with wealth. So it's not about what you have in reality. And it's not about what you don't have as much as what is the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart and how do you manage what God gives you? Remember, we've talked about this, that everything that you have is because God has given you the ability to have it. The careers that you have, God has given you the, the ability to have that. The jobs that you have, God has given you that ability. He's given it to you. He has entrusted it with you. He has said, hey, I'm going to let you hold this, but I expect you to do something with that in return. 
And just because there's dangerous extremes, that doesn't mean that we should not walk down the middle of biblical faithfulness and teach the powerful truth that Jesus said. Because people say, well, pastor, if there's so much misconceptions of money, maybe we shouldn't talk about it. Absolutely, that's false. We need to talk about it. We need to talk about it the way it's meant to be talked about. If you give, Jesus says, it will be given unto you. That what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God will multiply. So I want to give you two very simple principles. These are really quick, simple principles of sowing and seeing and, 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 and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Two quick principles. These are this is like I'm going to take you really quick through a crash course of sowing and reaping 101. And then we're going to go into the second book of Corinthians, chapter 9. There we'll go verse by verse and we'll let the, the, the Bible speak to us. So the foundation, the, the principles of sowing and reaping, if you're taking notes, the first one is, we all know this, you reap what you sow. Pretty basic, right? Have you ever heard people say, you get what life what you put into it? You get out of your education what you put into it. You get out of your relationships what you put into it. Reaping and sowing 101, you reap what you sow. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says this. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And let's read that last part out loud. A man does what? A man reaps what he sows. 101. You reap exactly what you sow. In other words, if you, if you plant an apple seed, then you're going to plant it and you're going to reap it. You're going to reap what? An apple tree. You're not going to reap an orange tree. You're going to reap an apple tree. You reap what you sow. You know, if you smile at somebody, chances are, without the mask, of course, if you smile with, at someone, chances are they're going to smile right back at you. You know, I tell my wife, you know, you just got you to gotta smile so hard that people can see the creasing in your eyes when you're wearing these masks. If you forgive people when they, when they wrong you, they'll be more likely to forgive you. If you treat your wife with tenderness, listen up, guys. If you treat your wife with tenderness, with love and respect, she's more than likely going to return that to you. But if you give your wife a hard time, then what, what are we talking about? You reap what you sow. If you give your wife a hard time, then she's going to multiply and she's going to give you hell. Ladies, say amen, right? You reap what you sow. That's the first, first basic principle, 101 of sowing, uh, of reaping and sowing. The second thing is, and some of you guys may, may not know this, but you reap more than you sow. The first one is you reap what you sow. The second one is you reap what? More than you sow. Did you know that? Not only do you reap what you sow, but you reap more than you sow. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, Jesus said this. He said, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake, they will receive what? Say it with me. They will receive a hundred times. Say a hundred times. A hundred times as much and will inherit eternal that means it's just not a switch. It's not just a, I give one, I receive one. They will receive a hundred times as much and will 
inherit eternal life. In other words, if you give up something for the glory of God, church, eternally, you will reap way more than what you gave. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good return. What is it? The, the, the ROI? Return on investment? That sounds like it's a great deal. Because what you keep is all you have, but what you give, the Bible says, God multiplies. Doesn't just give back, he multiplies when you give of what he has already given to you. The fact that Jesus told a parable uh, in Matthew chapter 13 about a sower. You might be familiar with this story about a sower uh, who went to sow some seeds. And the sower cast seed on different kinds of ground. And some of the ground returned a harvest that was 30 times what was planted. He didn't sow one seed and received another seed. The Bible says he received 30 times what was planted. Then Jesus continues on with this parable and he says, better ground returned 60 times what was planted. And the best soil actually returned 100 times what was planted. All showing and pointing to the fact that you sow, you, you reap what you sow, and you reap even more than you sow. Again, that's not some kind of, uh, I'm not trying to tell you that God is some, time, some, some type of cosmic soda or Coke machine in which you go on ahead and you put your money in, you press the button, and poof, he gives you exactly what you want. That's not what I'm telling you. That's not what I want you to hear. The reality is a lot of us, the reason why we're, we're not as generous, the reason why we don't give, the reason why we're not financially faithful to God in the areas of our tithings and all these things, because sometimes we get stuck with that. Well, pastor, I tried it, but when I gave, I didn't see exactly what I was expecting to, to, to receive in return. That's not what it's about. But I do want you to realize that God does bless those who give. I want you to understand the principle that you, that you reap what you sow, and you reap even more than you sow. Now, that's not good enough news, then I want to give you three truths. Three truths straight from the second book of Corinthians, chapter 9. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn them to 2 Corinthians, chapter 9. We're going to be going through verses 6 through 11. We'll have them up on the screen as well, or you can use your smartphones. We're going to read verses 6 through 11. We're going to break it down into three points. And the first one, again, if you're taking notes as we're talking about generosity, it's, this, this one's so, so important. This is very, very important as a matter of fact, and that is that your heart matters when you give. Your heart matters when you give. And some of you guys are saying, well, my heart matters when, when you give, Pastor. I heard your sermon last week about tithing. And my heart is not there, so I'm not going to give. Well, I'm going to get into that a little bit. I'm going to get into that a little bit. But the reality is, as your pastor, not only do I want you to be faithful with your finances, but I want your heart to be right. Your heart matters when you give. Everybody say, my heart matters. Your heart matters when you give. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who we spent a good chunk of time talking about when he was writing letters to Timothy, the Apostle Paul said this when he was talking to the church of Corinth in verse 6. He says this. He says, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So we just, we just finished reading Jesus saying, hey, you know, if you give, you're going to get back 
not only are you going to give back, but you're going to give back more abundantly. Here, Paul's saying, hey, if you give just a little, the reality is don't sit back with your, with your arms crossed saying, God, why am I not receiving a whole lot more? If you give a little, then you get back a little. If you don't plant a lot of seeds, you're not going to get a great harvest. Some of us are saying, well, why is it that I see this person here living in this great harvest, but yet I'm struggling, but, but I'm giving, I'm giving. Yeah, but, but, but you're, you're getting back what you, you, you're giving, right? You, you're getting what it is that you have put into it. You're, you know, if you're trusting God just a little bit, not fully, like, like the Bible instructs us to specifically in this area, then maybe God's just going to give you a little trickle. Of, of the blessings when he says, listen, you want the full blessings? You want your barns to be filled? You want where you have so much abundance of blessing that you don't know what to do with it, as we talked about last week? Then you've got to give like that. If you don't get much, you're, you're not as likely to get much for your generosity because whoever sows sparingly, the Bible says, will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap what? They will reap generously. I can't teach it any more clearer than this. Then he says this. Now, this is key. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Now, a lot of people look at this and they they, they, they kind of twist it up a little bit. Well, pastor, you're talking to me last week about the tithe. Well, I decided in my heart that, that I'm going to give less. Well, if you're reading the word of God, if you're studying the word of God, if you're trying to be obedient with God, if you are linking yourself with, with Jesus Christ, then your heart's going to be telling you what scripture says. You're not allowing your flesh or your outside influences to go on ahead and, and, and really make that decision. But this is important. He says this. He says, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for what kind of giver does God love? Scripture says, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. As a pastor, not only do I want to teach you, instruct you to give God what belongs to him. And he says, bring forth the full tithe. Not only do I want to teach you that and instruct you in that area, but I want to teach you how to do that with a grateful, cheerful when you do that, all of that together, you got the full package down. Because God loves it when we give with the right heart. Because the heart really matters when we give. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. In fact, if you read several commentaries on the scripture, some of the commentators said that you could translate the word in Greek that is used for cheerful giver to hilarious. In other words, let's read it differently. God loves a hilarious giver. Who doesn't love someone that's hilarious? God loves a hilarious giver. It's like, ha, 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 I'm so happy I get to do this. That's what God loves. God wants to see you happy. Now he doesn't want to, like, like what is the guy from uh, Christmas Carol? Scrooge. You know, he doesn't want to see you like Scrooge. You know what? God will say, you know what? Even though you gave me the full tithe, but you had a heart that was, that, that, that was like Scrooge, you know, take it back. Take it back. God wants us to be like, man, I get to do this. When you give, when you give like that, with that kind of heart, that really matters. The reality is, church, 
giving from what already belongs to God should be fun. I'm not telling you to give God. I'm not telling you to give the, the storehouse, whatever, the, the, the church, whatever the translations were. I'm not telling you to, 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 to give that from what belongs to you. I get that. I understand that. I'm, but I am telling you to give to God what belongs to him. Because once again, I hope as a pastor I kind of nail this down in your head that what you have doesn't belong to you. What you have has been entrusted to you. There's a difference between something belonging to you and something being entrusted to you. When something has been entrusted to you, someone on the other end somewhere is expecting you to do something with what they've given you. Giving should be fun. And unfortunately for, for some, it's not fun yet. It's not fun. In fact, there's, a, there's an old story I want to share with you guys about a mom that had two different dollar bills. One of them was a $5 bill, and another one was a $1 bill. And so the mom was going to teach her daughter about giving. And she said, hey, here's a, here's a five, and here's a one. One of these is for you, and one of them is for God. But when we get to church on Sunday, I'm going to let you decide which one is for who, okay? So, well, on Sunday, the pastor was up there speaking, uh, or might have been even a host like Anthony, and, and, and the pastor said, hey, God loves a cheerful giver, just like I'm telling you today. And the offering plate came by, and the little girl, she was wrestling in her mind. She's like, one or five, one or five, one or five. Which one do I give? Which one do I put in? And so when it, the plate came right in front of her, uh, she went on ahead and she put the $1 bill in the collection plate, and she put the $5 bill in her pocket. And afterwards, the mom was saying, so what was going through your mind when you did that? And the little girl said, well, mom, the reality is that the, the pastor said that God loves a cheerful giver. And so I thought that I'd be a lot more happier if I kept the five and I gave God the one. To be honest, church, let's just call it what it is. That's a lot of, that's, that, that's a lot of, of, of what we believe. A lot of us believe that we'd be happier if we get to keep what we have. We don't realize the joy of generosity. And for some of you today, God may be dealing with you about becoming more generous. God may be knocking on your heart in your mind, listen, and maybe while you're sitting here, rather if it was last week or this week, and, and you know, you were like, man, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And all of a sudden, you get out in the real world, you see the bills, you see the pressures of, of the holidays, all these type of things, and all of a sudden, your mind changes. Remember I told you, you had to go home and have some real tough conversations with the, your significant others about this. Some of you guys said, yeah, I'm going to do it, and all of a sudden, it came time to have the conversation, and it just fizzled away. But God may be dealing with you about becoming more generous, and, and you may say, Pastor, but, but what do I do? Pastor, what is it that I have to do so that I can, uh, I can be more generous, not just being generous, but be happy about being more generous? What do I got to do? Well, my simple answer to that is give and give and give until you love it. Some of you guys say, <laughs> But that's not the answer I was looking for. But that's the answer I'm giving you. Give and give and, and give until you love it. 
You know why I give you that advice? Because that's what I had to start doing. Because I had to get to that point in my life as well, where it was a struggle. It was a struggle to give. It was a struggle to give happy. That whenever my, 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 my funds would be deposited into my account, that I would be happy to go on ahead and give it to make sure that that was the first thing that I gave to God. It was, it was a struggle, but I realized, you know what, I got to keep doing it. I got to keep doing it and keep doing it and believing that God is faithful until I loved doing it. I had to start doing it until I loved it, until I started to love it. And now it's a core value of mine. I love when I get paid. I don't like when I get paid and I got to pay bills, but I love when I get paid and I get to give God back a portion of what he has entrusted to me. Anthony mentioned, thank you for the, the free advertising. He, he mentioned this, uh, it's a small business that I opened up just for supplemental income. But you know what happens? Every, every, every week, whatever's come in, I'm excited and I can't wait to give God back a tenth of whatever I earn. I said, God, I want your blessings not just in my personal life, I, not just in my marriage, not just in my home, but I want it also a blessing upon this business. And now, like I said, it's a core value of mine, and it has been a core, it, it has to, it has to be a core value of our church. It must, because it is important. The Bible, specifically, even in the New Testament, some of you may say, but why do you keep talking about money? The, you know, Jesus spoke in parables about, about money, finances, stewardship, more than almost any other topic in the Bible. It's because God knew that, that money is directly tied with our, with our hearts, that we struggle with this, that we say, oh, I got faith to move mountains. But when I say, well, how are you doing being faithful with your finances to God? All of a sudden, that faith shrinks. This has to be a core value of our church. We must, church, we must lead the way with irrational generosity because we have to truly believe what the word of God says. When it says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. If you give until you love it, your heart, your, if your heart, if, it, if you have joy in it and it matters, as the Bible says, the heart matters. In fact, I can tell you many, many incredible emotional giving stories that I have heard throughout the years. As a pastor, I've heard some great, great stories of people who have been faithful with their finances towards God and how God has blessed them in multiple, multiple ways. While I was reading and studying, I saw this uh, investor who is a Christ follower. He, he said this. He said, people always come to me and they ask me for advice. Well, yeah, if I, if I know somebody in this church who's, a, who's an, an investor, I'm going to go ask them, hey, what should I invest in, Right? He said, people always come to me for investment advice. And he said, you know what I started to tell them? At a certain point, this, this investor got to a point as well. And he, according to what I was reading, this, the investor teared up. And he says, this is what I tell them when they, when, they, when, when they say, what's the best investment advice you have for me? He says, the best investment advice I have for people is this. And he says, I've never had a better investment than investing in my local church to see what it does for people in the community and around the world. That's his response now whenever he's asked. There's, sure, there's 
good investments out there. Sure, we got to get our finances in order and things of that sort. But he's saying the best investment, if you're asking me, is what I get to see God do within the four walls of my church community. When I see lives being transformed, when I see live people growing, when I see people being fed, when I see uh, uh, programs in which young troubled youth are getting instructed and are being, are being mentored to be solid uh, people in their community. There's a joy in that church. Here's the deal. When you give and your heart is right, the reality is I've never in my life heard an emotional keeping story. I told you as a pastor, I've heard, I've heard, some, I've heard some, some, some giving stories that have made me tear up and just say, God, you're such a wonderful God. I've lived some of those myself. But I've never heard an emotional keeping story. Have you? Have you guys heard? Have you guys ever heard, uh, hey, oh, well, but we were thinking about blessing someone, but, oh, man, I thank God we kept it to ourselves. I haven't. I've never heard a, hey, we were praying about being generous to the church, about giving above our tithe and giving an offering. Because remember, an offering is not what you give below the tithe. An offering is what you give above the tithe. But I've never heard someone say, I, I, I plan on giving more to the church above the tithe as an offering uh, to help the people that were in need. But, oh, I thank God that we shut that temptation off. And instead, we kept our resources to ourselves. I've never heard it. I've never heard stories like, hey, there's a single mom and her family, and they're probably not going to have a good Christmas. And so we were considering helping them out. But, oh, hallelujah, we overcame that horrible temptation, and we decided to make sure that they don't have a good Christmas. I've never heard it. Thank the Lord God in heaven that there's no such thing as emotional keeping stories. And if you have some Maybe I need, you need to stop praying or stop preaching. Let me pray for you here on the side of the church really quick. But when you give, church, when you give and your heart is in the right place, there's something that is powerful about that. Your heart matters, church, when you give. Your heart matters. That's a truth. That is a truth when it comes to the area of generosity. And the second truth is this. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. You need to understand that statement. In verse 8, uh, it continues and it says this. And God is able to bless you. What does it say? Abundantly. God is able to bless you abundantly. Notice that it doesn't say your job is able to bless you abundantly. Notice that it doesn't say the government is able to bless you abundantly. But it says God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That is, as it is written, they will freely scatter their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I love this. God will increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Throughout Scripture, God is just saying, I want to test your heart. I want to see where your heart is. I want to see where your faith is. Do you trust me? 
to go all in. Do you trust me to be generous with what I've given you? God doesn't want greedy people. God wants generous people. He says, when you do that, man, I'm going to give you so much more. We've covered this already for two weeks, and we continue to find scriptures that is telling us there's a promise, a promise of abundance, but that promise, you don't get to step into it unless you do the action step, which is to give freely. In other words, when he blesses you, it won't just be with money, but he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness, the Bible says. In fact, there are, there are two times, church, there are, there are two times when you are most like God. You know when you're most like God? You're most like God when you are giving, and you're most like God when you are forgiving. When you do those two things, you are incredibly like God, and the Bible says that he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness, just showing us that we cannot outgive God. We can't do it. It's like the story that I gave you guys last week. Uh, when my wife wasn't working, I wasn't working, I had gone laid off, this is years and years ago. My kids were really small, and, and I, I, I told you how that unemployment check was coming, and, and my wife and I, we had a conversation, and we decided, listen, we're tithing from this unemployment check. We're going to be faithful. We're going to be generous with this, even though it's just a portion of what I was regularly getting. When that was our only source of income, we made that decision. And at the time that we made that decision, we didn't have extra at the time that we made that decision, we were strapped financially, but we started giving, and we started giving. Remember what I told you? We gave, and we gave, and we gave until we loved it. And that's when God started to bless us in ways that we never had experienced before. That's when I like to believe, even though through after that, we still had some hardships here and there, but, but during that season, I, I, that's when the harvest came for me. God increased the, the store of seed, and we gave, and we gave, and we gave, and, and now, thankfully, praise the Lord, I believe that God has given us more, and because he's given us more, I need to realize that if I keep it, then that's all I have. What God has actually done is he's increased our seed, so now we can give even more, and the reality is, when I think about this, when I was writing this and putting this together, I... I, I it becomes incredibly emotional to me because I remember at that time we gave a lot when we didn't have much. And the reality is that you cannot outgive God, that your heart matters when you give. You cannot outgive God. And so we just give what we can and we give faithfully to, to the Lord. And God in due time will begin to open up that season of harvest for us. The third thing, the number three, which I love, is this. This is beautiful. They're all beautiful. But this is beautiful. This is a, a beautiful principle of generosity, and that is that people will thank God because of what you give. That's beautiful. People will thank God because of what you give. Verse 11 says this. You will be enriched in every way. Why? Why does he say that? So, so that it's all for you? Does he say that you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're going to uh, be enriched in every way so that you can keep it all for yourself? No. Scripture says you will be enriched in every way so that you can be what? Everybody say it out loud. So you can be generous. When? 
on every occasion. Imagine that. Imagine that, church. Every chance you see, boom, generous. Every opportunity that comes along your way, generous. You can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Imagine, church, imagine people lifting up their hands and thanking God because of you. Imagine, imagine people worshiping God because God used you to meet a need in their life. Just imagine, some of us, we give because we want worship back. Some of us, we give because we want to get patted in our shoulders. Oh, he gave when I didn't have. No, our main thing, our, our main point needs to be to give so that people can thank God and worship him for that. Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Because of your generosity, people will thank him. I love it because while, I'm, while I was standing back there watch, watching people worshiping God in this building, listen, this is exactly what this point is. Exactly what this point is. People thanking God because of what it is that you've given. Because we've given, because we have been faithful, we have the opportunity to worship together in this church. Because of your generosity, people thank God. And when your heart is there, church, and when you realize that you're enriched, not for your own benefit, not for your own benefit, but so that you can bless, so that you can be a blessing, that changes everything. I've tried to teach you that when God blesses you, you know, it, 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 it's it's not just because he says, well, I just wanted to bless you because you deserve to be blessed. No, when God blesses you so that you can bless others, so that you can shout out, hey, God bless me, so that God can get the honor, so that God can get the glory. And if I'm passionate about that, it's, it's because God has changed my heart in this area. When you do give according to these principles, the Bible says you're going to be blessed because what? You reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. And what you keep is all you have, but what you give, the Bible says, God multiplies. And I know, I believe in my heart that I serve a miraculous God who loves to multiply. He, he loves to multiply so much that he tells us in the book of Malachi, test me in this area. Man, I want to multiply what you've given me. Man, I want to multiply, I want to I bless your marriage, I want to bless your children, I want to bless your home, I want to bless your career, I want to bless your relationship with me. I want to bless it, I want to not just bless it, but I want to I give you more, I want to give you blessings in abundance. I serve a miraculous God who loves to multiply on the generosity of people's lives who have been changed. And I cannot even begin to imagine what God is going to continue to do in your life. And through our church, as we unapologetically and boldly lead the way with irrational generosity, because it is truly, truly is a bigger blessing to give than it is to receive. Let us know that. Let that stand in our minds and in our heart to know I want to be a giver. I want to stop hating. 
I want to stop taking some of us and say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about taking? Well, as I told you last week, remember? I said, some of you guys have drove into church in stolen cars. Some of you guys are, are living in stolen homes. Some of you guys are wearing stolen shoes. Some of you guys are looking at the Bible app on a stolen phone. Because the Bible says, is whatever you keep from God, you're stealing from him. God says, you rob me. The people of Israelites, the Israelites said, how? What do you mean? How do we rob you? Mean? You rob me with your tithes and offerings. You're not bringing to me what belongs to me. He says, bring me what belongs to me and watch, watch, be faithful. Be, or not be faithful, but have faith that I will be faithful when you do this. It's better to give than it is to receive. I'm going to ask that we stand. I'm going to ask right where you're at if you can just close your eyes and, and bow your heads. Just begin to speak to God as I kind of lead us in a prayer here. Father, we pray that your, that your spirit would speak to your church today. And that we would live a life that reflects your heart. Because you so love the world, the Bible says it, that you gave your one and only son. And God, I pray that out of our reflection of the most generous, compassionate, unconditional, loving heart in the world, God, that we would reflect your love. And the world would know that we belong to you as they see us loved with your unconditional love and your generosity. Father God, we, we pray right now, Lord Jesus, that one day every single person who is a part of our church, God, would truly see the harvest, recognizing first, God, that we do have to plant some seeds. God, I pray that you would speak to people today and that you would show them that seeds of generosity that they can plant. God, I pray that there would be those that would see the gifts that you have given them, that they would use them, Father God, to serve in this church, to make a difference with their time. God, I pray that not only would, you, would, would we be tithers returning the first tenth to you, but God, that you would speak to hearts about a generous offering, giving well above, Father God, the tithe to this church to make a difference in this world. God, I pray that you would raise up those who would support, Father God, not just our ministry, but other God-fearing, Bible-believing Bible-teaching ministries, God. God, I pray that you would speak to, to hearts to give sacrificially to meet the needs of those that are in this community, God. God, I pray that you would give us seeds to plant, that we would recognize that we already have that seed. What we keep is all we have, God. Help us realize it. But give us the faith to give out of a right heart, not to return but to be a blessing. And God, when, when you do return, because that is what you do, that we would see it as more seed to be used to bless others. God, I pray, Father, with all my heart, Lord, that you would make us, make us a generous church. 
leading the way with irrational generosity, Father God. Church, as you continue to pray there with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, as you keep praying today, there are those of you who would probably say, talking about this in this area, but I'm not even walking with God right now. I'm not even right with God. Well, let me tell you about the most generous person who ever lived, our Heavenly Father. You want to talk about a giver? Scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. You see, the problem is for one reason that many of us are are selfish is that, that we're sinners. And we're separated by God, but because of the perfect work of Jesus Christ on the cross, our sins can be forgiven. When we simply turn from our sins and we turn towards God, the Bible says that Jesus makes us new. When you call on him, every sin ever committed will be forgiven and you will be brand new. There are those of you that maybe are here today or are watching us online that that's exactly where, why you're here. You know it. You can sense it. That's why you're here today. You, you need his grace and you need his love. Those of you would say, yeah, that's me. I need him. Today, by faith, I give my life to him. I trust Jesus to save me, to be the Lord of my life. If that's you here today or if you're watching us online, if that's you, if that's your, if that's your prayer, would you go on ahead with every head bowed, lift your hands right there where you're at. And if you're at home, do it as well. Even though I can't see you, lift your hands at home. Just lift them up and, 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 and say this. Yes, that is my prayer. That is my prayer. Yes, I give my life to Jesus. Just pray this right there where you're at. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and he rose again so that I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you for the rest of my life. Thank you for my new life. I I give you mine in Jesus' name, I pray. And if that's you, if you've just prayed that, please let us know after service. If you're watching online and you're at home and and you've just prayed that prayer, put a comment on there or send us a message through our website. We want to get you connected with a mentor to help develop you into your next step. Father God, we thank you for this time and this opportunity that you've given us to be together. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you, we would take your word and not just listen to it, God, but that we would begin to apply it in our lives. Your word says that you desire for, ha- for us to have conformity to your son, Father God. You, you want us to be renewed. You want us to look more like you each and every single day, Father God. And this is an area, Lord, in which we definitely need to work in. So, Father, I pray as we get ready to be dismissed today that you would be with your church, that you would be with, your, with, with them everywhere they go, whatever their plans are, wherever it is that they have to do today or this week. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would remind them that they are your children, God. That you would remind them, Father God, to, that you have called us to be the, the light of this world. You've called us to be the salt of this earth. That you called us to, to, to stand out, Father God, not to blend in, Lord Jesus. So we pray, Father God, right now, Lord, that we would follow and reflect you in all that we do. Church, I leave you now with this blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. 
May the Lord shine his face upon you all. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you all peace today and tomorrow and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Church, God bless you. You are dismissed. Have yourself a great week.